Hey everyone. Hey. This is a Talk Bookie to Me, a discussion-based book podcast. Uh, this is our last episode for February 2024. Uh, I am one host, Aaron. I'm Felicia. And we are here to uh, essentially get you caught up on our reading for the month um, and talk about our reading Books. journey. <laughs> right? <laughs> It'll probably take a few tangents and everything like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so our last episode of the month, we get everyone caught up on our books for the month, give a few superlatives, uh, talk about our ratings for the month, um, hopefully give some recommendations that people might like. And as then well. where we ended up on our Goodreads goal. Yep, of course. Uh, but we always like to start out these episodes with some news, uh, and we have, like, kind of a somewhat big one. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so. Libby, and, and I'm just going to pretend that people don't always know what Libby is. Um, I don't think a lot of people do is the problem. Yeah. yeah. So it's Libby so is a library-based borrowing system online. Mm-hmm. So audiobooks, ebooks, magazines, all available to you with a library card for your county or other counties. Um, <laughs> in our case. Other and counties, um, yeah. then you can get in line for a book, or if it's available, you can borrow it for um 7 14 21 days there it it varies mm-hmm. and then each county also depends on like each county also has a limit to the number of books you can have out mm-hmm. so it's just like going into the library getting books and bringing them home except you don't have to go anywhere yeah it's we talked about it on an earlier episode mm-hmm. but it, it is genuinely one of the best book related things that people can subscribe to because yep. i mean Obviously, we're both huge supporters of libraries in general because we should have access to books no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, You shouldn't have to be able to purchase a book in order to read it, in my opinion, at least. Um, I think that knowledge and creativity and stuff should be accessible to everybody. And Libby is one of the biggest ways that we can get access to it. And all knowledge should be available to all people. Yeah. We we recently talked about, um, well... On the podcast, we've talked about book banning and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I want to make that clear. Like, I <laughs> yeah. I think it's dumb to ban books. I absolutely book agree. Book banning yeah. is stupid. It's never done anything for us before. Mm-hmm. It's It hurts more than it helps. It It's dumb. Yeah. And people who think banning books is good are also dumb. Yeah. That, that's my hill. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that... We don't have to go down this road too much, but I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is that whenever we talk about book banning, people typically talk about teaching or allowing access to books that are not age appropriate. And I think that that comes into contact with like trusting teachers to make decisions in their classrooms. And librarians and, to do the job that they literally studied. Yep. Yeah. Okay, anyways. It's a whole other thing. also, just because you don't want your kid to read it doesn't mean that other kids can't read it. Don't govern other people's kids. Right, yeah. All right, sorry. Wow, we're, what, (laughs) it's like five, no, three and a half minutes in. And And we already got heated. We got heated. (laughs) Got a long episode to go. Yep, all right. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that is not the point of this episode. That wasn't even Uh, my news. (laughs) Yeah. So we have, uh, Libby has their first annual, I believe it's their first yeah, annual it's their, book awards, Yeah, it's their right? first uh, annual award. Yeah. They just announced it. Um, they put out the categories. So on March 12th, the 
Libby's. They're they're calling them the Libby's, mm-hmm. obviously, which is super cute. Uh, the Libby's will be presented. They're going to do like a live event and everything. Um, there are 17 categories which were chosen by librarians and library workers across the country because that's their job. All right. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Go ahead. <sighs> uh, yeah. So what we're going to do is we have those categories here in front of us and the nominees. Um, we're going to just go back and forth and, and and tell you what the categories are and the nominees. We're going to each give our pick mm-hmm. if For... we have a pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, or, and we'll tell you why. Like if I've not heard of the other ones, that's going to be my answer. I've not heard of the other ones. Right. Because uh, there's no chance we've heard of every one of these right. books. Yeah. So the first category is um, the uh, finalists for best adult fiction. And maybe just start that way. Are Burnham Wood by Eleanor Catton, Let Us Descend by Jessamyn Ward, The Fraud by Zadie Smith, The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride, and Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Mm-hmm. I've actually heard of four out of five of these. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Burnham Wood. Oh. Have you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was on a NPR. Um, oh. They did a book thing on that one. Yeah. That's cool. It sounded very good. Have you heard of all of these? I don't think all of them. What's oh. the other one? Uh, oh, I guess I have. <laughs> yeah. So my pick is the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that one's going to win because lately Let Us Descend has been yeah. like, skyrocketing as mm-hmm. far as popularity goes. But the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store just seems like something that sounds like something I'd want to read. Yeah, that would be my pick too. Either that or Tom Lake, but I think the Tom Lake thing in particular um, is because, of, again, going to NPR, uh, I'm making myself sound like I'm like 20, 30 years older than I am. <laughs> but uh, uh, they talked about Tom Lake and the way that that book is written and the way that it interacts <laughs> mm-hmm. with like theater performances and things like that, and it makes me very interested in that one as well. Seems like a very quiet, uh, okay. meditative book. That, oh, that's your way. that's up your alley. For yeah, sure. for sure. But the Heaven and Earth Grocery Store is like one hundred percent my thing. Yeah, I think Barnes and Noble that was their book of the year, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that's why I'm like. That's why I chose the first two. That's part of mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I have the uh, finalists for the best adult nonfiction, um, and I haven't heard of most of these. Yeah, I've heard of one yeah, until we talked about the other. I think, yeah. So, uh, The Best Minds by Jonathan Rosen, Master Slave Husband Wife by uh, Ilyan Wu, Monsters by Claire uh, Detterer. The Wager by David Grann, and When Crack Was King by Donovan X. Ramsey. Uh, the Wager is probably my pick. That's my pick, too. Yeah, I've heard the most about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know much about the others. But to be fair, like, three of the others sound right up my alley yeah. based on title alone. Um, because nonfiction in particular, I like to get into, like, a lot of, like, social issues mm-hmm. and things like that. And most of these sound very good. Right. Like, The Wager is definitely, like, a historical, historical account. Yeah. Whereas the other ones are present mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. It seems like. Based on the titles. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. Maybe The Best Minds, it seems a little bit more historical. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, a lot of the others sound much more uh, current. The next one is the finalist for Best Young Adult Fiction. Uh, the Blackwoods by Brandy Colbert. 
The Davenports by Crystal Marquis. Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Woolley. And What the River Knows by Isabel Ibanez. So I own two of these. Mm -hmm. I own What the River Knows, which I really wanted to read this month, but it wasn't on my list, so I didn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Divine Rivals I did read by Rebecca Ross. That was my book club month, or my book club book of the month this month. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's going to be the one that I choose, just because (laughs) I know about it. Yeah, of course. I know about two of these. Yeah, I... I'll probably go Divine Rivals as well, just based on what you, know you told about me. Because <laughs> I told you, that's the most one that I that I have experienced. Yeah. So with. really quickly, I'll just tell you, uh, Divine Rivals is about um, like so. There's there's typewriters because apparently these were typewriter keys, and I didn't know that. I thought they were buttons on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's about two. It's an enemies to lovers uh, mm-hmm. trope, and it feels like it's set. During World War Two, but it's mm-hmm. fantasy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's. I'll I'll talk more about. We that will later. definitely talk more about it. You were <laughs> but so. I liked it. I was surprised. You love that one so much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have the um, best audiobook, I think this one got cut off just a little bit, but I, uh, yeah, yes. yeah, it's the best audiobook. Um, All Sinners Bleed by S. A. Crosby. Uh, Cosby. I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay. King A Life by Jonathan Eag. Poverty by America by Matthew Desmond, and The Secret Hours by Mick Heron. Uh, Poverty by America is my pick. That was your pick as well. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to read. I've read segments of it online. Uh, people have posted segments, and there's. Uh, it, it's almost like published in like an open source article form. So I could probably read the whole book online, honestly, mm-hmm. um, because it's one of those books where the author was like very much. Like, this should be accessible to everyone, kind of like what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's absolutely my pick. I almost bought that at the, one of our bookstore trips. I, right. I carried it around for a few minutes and then changed my mind because I found a book about uh, uh, African-American influence on Southern cooking. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then I bought that, and I'm still wanting to get to that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's my pick, for sure. Um, it's a... Again, I don't. I know all sinners bleed. I know a little bit about that one, and I have heard about the secret hours, um, but poverty by America is for sure the one that I've heard the most about. Um, and just like it sounds, it is about the way that poverty is necessary uh, for our current economic systems to function. So I have the finalists for best debut author, um, and then I went and I wrote. It, all they gave me was names, and so I did some research and wrote what book they're most recently popular for. Oh, man, I really, I think I'm going to butcher this. No, so, the it. first one is Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote Changing All-Stars. Yeah, no, that's, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Awesome! Because, yeah. again, NPR covered this book, <laughs> and I've been dying to read it. Um, <laughs> so. Then there's Marissa Crane, I Keep My Exoskeletons to Myself. Mm. I have heard of that one. Also, the title sounds really cool. I just don't know what it's about. I haven't even heard of that um, one. I love that title. Though. Anna Reyes, The House in the Pines. I've also heard of this one. Mm. Um, don't know what it's about. <laughs> Selby Wynn Schwartz, After Sappho, and then Alice Wynn in Memoriam. The only one I know a more amount about is mm-hmm. the author of Chain Gang All Stars. So yeah, 
I mean, Chain Gang All Stars. I think from what I've heard, the premise sounds like it would be incredible, mm-hmm. and it sounds like it would make a great TV show Ooh. as well. It's very cinematic, um, but very like socially conscious. But after Sappho, I've heard of that one too. Oh, cool! Yeah, and it sounds incredible. Yeah, so, that's awesome. I would love to read that one. I have a through it, so I had to unstaple my staple. You're good. <laughs> I have a finalist for best diverse author. Uh, Camp Zero by Michelle Min Sterling, Liquid Snakes by Stephen Kearse, Lawn Women by Victor Lavelle, The Terraformers by Anna Lee Newitz, and The Thick and the Lean by Chana Porter. Um, my pick for this would be The Terraformers, mostly yeah. because it's the one that I know the most about, which is funny because I know very little about it. <laughs> But I have heard it referenced a few more times. So I've heard of Camp Zero, Terraformers, and I think I've heard the Thick and the Lean. I've heard of I've the heard ca- of the cover Snakes. looks more familiar to me. Yeah. Than the title, I was listening to another book podcast and they were talking about Camp Zero, and I remember thinking I really wanted to read that. I don't one hundred percent remember what it was about. I don't remember everything either, but I I've heard of Camp Zero, Liquid Snakes. Uh, or like, yeah, and uh, the terraformers. The other two, I'm not entirely sure about. But so we're kind of tossed on that one. Yeah, but again, the terraformers would be my pick, mostly because like somewhat familiar with it. But um, so I have finalists for best comic slash graphic novel: A Guest in the House by Emily Carroll, One Bad Day, The Riddler, Batman, by Tom King and Mitch Garrids, Roaming by Jillian Tamaki and Maury. Mariko Tamaki, Shubik Lubik by Dina Muhammad, and The Talk by Darren Bell. It's going to be One Bad Day, The, the Riddler. I think I, so, too. I yeah. haven't read any of the One Bad Days, but <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting The Riddler and flipping through it, and lately everything I've read mm-hmm. as far as The Riddler goes has been really good. Is that the one that I read, the Clayface mm-hmm. one? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's probably going to be great. It was so good. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's like gritty and thoughtful and thematically dense. It's like, yep. yeah, it's amazing literature. I, I wanted to read those so badly. Yeah. Yeah, I need to. Yeah. We should dig, <laughs> we should dig them up in the boxes that are in the closet and yeah. hidden away. I mean, our... they're alphabetized. Yeah, it's good, but there's like, the problem is there's like 72 boxes, I think. Like 18. 18 boxes of comics. That's crazy. Maybe 20. All right. Uh, I have finalists for best memoir and autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Just calling me out. No, you're good. I have a Doppelganger, Doppelganger by Naomi Klein, How to Say Babylon by Sophia Sinclair, My Name is Barbara by Barbara Streisand, Page Boy by Elliot Page, and You Could Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith. So, I don't have a, uh, a pick. Mm-hmm. I am surprised. Now, I haven't read it. But I am surprised that Britney Spears' memoir is not on there. Mm-hmm. Just because of how long anticipated it was. Right. So, I... And, and the line on Libby. Yeah. For the book itself is like a year long. I think it's... My guess would be because it's a little bit less literary. Mm. Um, yeah. And if sense. librarians are picking this, they're that probably going to lean that direction. Barbara Streisand? Actually, I don't know. I would go Page Boy for no, sure. No, but like, oh. but do you think that Barbara Streisand's more literary? For not, sure. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's less like 
gossipy than like Britney Spears's might be. Absolutely, that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, I think Page Boy. My pick would be Page Boy for yeah. sure. I, I'm I've been interested in that since it came out, mm-hmm. um, mostly because like it deals with the trans experience and things like that, and especially overlaps with like trans experience in Hollywood. Yeah, I think that's something that does not get talked about nearly enough. So, well, and if it does get talked about, it's like. Not in the most productive Not way. Yeah, yeah. By the best person. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, that's another soapbox for another day. We are wearing out the heavy, t- heavy times. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So I have a final list for best cookbook. I don't. I don't care about these as much. You don't so care about cookbooks. I like cookbooks, but I don't know anything at all about any of these i thought you were just gonna say i don't know anything about all leave it at that (laughs) yeah sorry go ahead um let's eat by dan pelosi portico by leah koenig start here by sola l wally uh still we rise by erica council and tender heart by hetty lee mckinnon they look oh tender heart has a really cool cover start here that's the one yeah i've heard a little bit about cover that's a good cover Start here, I've heard, is a very good one though. Mm, like I, I, mean, I, that's, I assume that's like actually like a starter cookbook. It is. It's it's a little bit of like let's get you introduced to like diverse cooking in mm. particular. It, from what I understand, that's cool. I've never read it. I've not seen much about it. I've I've heard a little bit. That's the only one I'm somewhat familiar with. Very cool. All right, I have a best mystery next. Uh, Age of Ice by Deep T Kapoor. Uh, Happiness Falls by Angie Kim, Symphony of Secrets by Brendan Slocum, The Last Devil to Die by Richard Osman, Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers by Jesse Q. Uh, Sutanto. That last one probably be my pick. So I have heard um, yeah. it has like a Finley Donovan, yeah. A is for Aunties vibe to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my choice. <laughs> I'm going off cover entirely. I know I know Richard Osman a little bit. Yeah. Um, those look cool too, and I'm yeah. wanting to read those too. But the cover with like the blinds and the mm-hmm. peeking through the blinds, there's something about that. Maybe it's because whenever we got into comics, there's the whole comic run oh of like gosh, covers of yeah. the peeking through the blinds. Well, and like, like when you think thing. of like mysteries, do you think of like these detective stories where they are like Yep. Peeking through blinds or you're yep. like or the cameras on the outside looking in through the blinds at the detective meeting I'll, somebody, I'll, you know. I'll probably talk about blinds and mystery stories in a couple minutes, you know. What? Just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you got the next one. <laughs> uh finalist for best thriller. All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. Pet by Catherine. Chidki, The Center by Aisha Manazir Siddiqui, and The Secret Hours by Mick Heron. Um, so I've heard of All the Sinners Bleed and Bright Young Women. I don't remember what I don't remember what Bright Young Women's about, but I do remember so a few of her if it's the same person I'm thinking of a few of her books have been um, turned into like TV series mm-hmm. or movies, so I mean that's probably going to be my choice. I think so as well. Uh, those are the two that I've heard of also. Can't remember details, but Bright Young Women stood out to me more in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And like the cover is pretty stark too. Mm-hmm. I remember the cover before I saw this. <laughs> For sure. Oh, the yeah. center. That that cover reminds rem, I remembered this cover. They had it at Barnes & Noble, but I don't remember anything about what it was about. 
Oh, okay. I just remember knowing. That's Anyways. <laughs> All right, I have a, a finalist for Best Romance, uh, Anna Maria and the Fox by Liana De La Rosa, Business or Pleasure by Rachel Lynn Solomon, uh, Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne, A Nobleman's Guide to Seducing a Scoundrel by K.J. Charles, and We Could Be So Good by Kat Sebastian. I don't know any of these at all. So I own Georgie all along. I got it from a Once Upon a Book Club book. Uh, mm-hmm. That's all I know about it. Yeah. I really like the cover of, uh, or not the cover, the title of A Noba Man's Guide to Seducing a Scoundrel. The cover's good, too. That's yeah, that, funny. That's the one that I was going to mention. I think the cover's good and the title's good. But I don't that. know enough about but, any of these, really. Nope. Same. Uh, finalists for Best Fantasy. I have a lot of thoughts about this category, so I'll I'll tell them to you <laughs> after I read the titles. Okay. So, Day of Fallen Night by Samantha Shannon, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, Hellbent by Lee Bardugo, To Shape a Dragon's Breath by Moniquil Black Goose, and Witch King by Martha Wells. I don't. I own four of these. Two of them are on my TBR for next month. One of them I've read. (laughs) So Fourth Wing is going to be my pick. However, I am surprised that there's not a Brandon Sanderson book on Best Safe Fantasy. Simply because I feel like the majority of the time you see a Best Fantasy, like, category, a Sanderson book is going to sneak its way in there somewhere. What did he put out this year, though? Tress of the Emerald Sea? I don't think that would fit. Why? I think it'd be closer to YA oh, type fantasy because the four that he did were all YA. They were mostly YA, You're right? And also, and they like, didn't do a YA fantasy. And Tress was the only one that hit well. Yeah, you're the right. The rest of them didn't re- didn't review super well because right. he did his like this was his year of like the secret projects or That's, last year was yeah. I, guess I should say that makes sense then as far as like Witch King Hellbent yeah Fourth Wing and A Day of Fallen Night for sure yeah I could. Yeah. I mean, Fourth Wing has to be the one. Yeah, right? I think like that, that one's going to win. By far. I mean, popularity, but also, like, I mean, to be fair, like, if we're going off cover, Hellbent has, like, the best cover. That's a good cover. I love that cover. It's eerie and yeah. unsettling. The I Ninth like House and Hellbent have really good covers. Yeah. Especially the ones that I got with the, with the like, monochrome sides or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Side note, you we do have that book that was the five dollar book at Barnes and Noble today, mm-hmm. right? Okay, the T Kingfisher. Yeah, book? and I okay. realized that we went to Barnes and Noble already once this month, and we saw it. That was the same one. Mm-hmm. Okay, didn't know. I thought the body was after that, but yeah. All right. Anyway, I have a. Uh, you're done with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Finalists are best romanticy, uh, which romance fantasy? If yeah, I have know. thoughts on this category too. I assumed uh, Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia. Well, spelled Encyclopedia of Fairies. It's Encyclopedia, but it's like the British spelling of mm-hmm. it. Uh, by Heather Fawcett. Uh, Immortal Longings by Chloe Gong. Uh, Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros, of course. Uh, Mortal Follies by Alex Alexis Hall. And The Hurricane Wars by Thea Guanzon. Um, I, I have become more and more interested the in The Hurricane Wars. Yeah. I almost bought it today. I own... It was 50% off hardcover, by the way. Oh. Today. I own two of yeah. those. Yeah. Uh, Iron Flame and... 
the Emily Wilde encyclopedia theories. Oh, oh yeah. Let oh. me tell you my issue. What you wrote your issue on my paper. Well, okay, let me tell them my issue. Okay. <laughs> Fourth Wing and Iron Flame are part of the same series. Yep. They are both romanticy. Wait. if you want to get technical. Did they both come out last year? Yes. Okay. But also, one is in Best Fantasy, and one is in Best Romanticy. Was there more romance in Iron Flame? No. Are you sure? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. My problem is, I would have wanted Fourth Wing to be in Romanticy. Because I think that that's more romanticy, mm-hmm. so then I could choose that and something else. I <laughs> instead understand. of choosing two. That's from your the problem. Same it's category. a very selfish no, issue. I also then. don't <laughs> think that they need to be in separate categories. They're the same book. If they consciously put them in se- separate categories, because you don't want to, you you don't want a single author to sweep a category. Do you remember, uh, like ten minutes ago, when I said that the librarian's job is? To, like, give recommendations. Yeah. And here I am. No, they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, My bad. Uh, yeah. I just realized that. No, it's, right. it's not even to say it. I think that, I think there is some conscious right. seeding of that, which I'm not trying Especially to... because they did come out in the same year. Yeah. I don't want to compare this to the Oscars, but let me compare it to the Oscars a little bit. <laughs> the, so, most major awards things, they want to make sure that there's a balance. So, there are, like, trends... Where it's like certain movies in the Oscars that get like best directing and best acting and best supporting actor and those sorts of things. Sometimes they don't get best picture. Mostly because like they're trying to do a balance thing. I get the the idea behind it. I don't know. I'm really on the fence about it. But like I, I, I think that's kind of what they're doing with this. Is they don't want to have an author sweep a category. I think. That because one of those two books is significantly better than the other, that the other one should have been left off completely. I think that's your opinion, though. Uh, it's a lot of people's opinion. But still, okay. I'm I, in the majority, I think. Just, we're still in the news portion, and we're 26 <laughs> minutes in. So All right, finalist for best science fiction. Okay. Infinity Gate by M.R. Carey. Some Desperate Glory by Emily Tesh. Systems, System Collapse by Martha Wells. The Deep Sky by Yumi Kitse, Kitase. Translation State by Anne Leckie. Alright, so my decision is only based on the fact that I read the first book and it was fantastic. And I love Murderbot. Yeah. So, Same <laughs> system here. collapse. Yeah. Martha However, Wells does sci-fi I've heard really so good stuff about The Deep Sky. It has been in my backpack for yeah. two months. I have not read it yet. Yeah. I've heard good <laughs> stuff too, but I, I think that I think this is the conclusion to the murder bot stuff. Oh no! I think it is. I'm almost positive this is the last book in that series, or she I'm said it was at least. Sad. So yeah, we're. I mean, yeah, we have to give it to that. I think. I think so. But also, I again, I've read All Systems Red, and it was like one of the greatest things. So Murderbot is one of the best characters ever. I love Murderbot. Yeah, so fantastic. Uh, so I have a uh, best historical fiction. I've only heard of two of these. I liked it a little bit. Uh, beyond, you have no notes on this. You yeah, have, no. You wrote a question yeah. mark next to it. Uh, I be, know nothing. Beyond the Door of No Return by David Diop. 
Uh, Let Us Descend by Jasmine Ward, Loot by Tanya James, Northwoods by Daniel Mason, and The Great Reclamation by Rachel Hang. Um, I would go The Northwoods. I only know The Northwoods and The Great Reclamation, and I know very little about I those. I know Let Us Descend. I, I've heard that title. I've read the insert. I cannot for the life of me remember what the insert said. I know the title. I don't I don't remember yeah. anything else about it. Uh Northwoods, from what I understand, is a oddly like intimate look at like wilderness trekking and survival, mm. which kinda speaks to me. That's and also cool. they have this great like little artistic uh rendering of like a mountain lion on the cover, which mm-hmm. uh, goes a long way for I me. Remember so. Seeing it. so I have finalists for best book club pick and i think this is the last yep this is the last category hello beautiful by ann napolitano mame by jessica george tom lake by ann patchett wellness by nathan hill and yellow face by rf kwong my pick is going to be yellow face simply because it is on my list of books to read um let's see if i can determine what book book club Mame was part of. I can tell Yellowface and Tom Lake are part of Reese's book club mm-hmm. and Wellness and Hello Beautiful are part of Oprah's book club. I can't tell on this little logo Yeah. what the other one is for. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm... And my t- mom, I think my mom read Hello Beautiful. I think that's the one that she said was good. I believe you said that, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't remember anything other than that. <laughs> I, I mean, Yellowface is mine as well. Like, yeah. I've, I've been wanting the to read that The story sounds time. good. It yeah. sounds like something that we both like. Yeah, I've been looking I've been looking forward to that one for quite a while. Yeah, so, yeah. and then we just haven't read it. <laughs> There's too many books in the right. world. Okay. Um, Sorry, I kicked the desk with my foot. Yeah. You're okay? Yeah, it was fine. Okay. So, um... All right, we will jump into uh, books we got this month. Did you did you pick up anything? I got Heartless Hunter as part of my book of the month book. I also got, oh my gosh, my brain just did a dumb. Did you not write these down? No, I forgot. I was at work. Oh, I took a picture of them. You want me to do mine? Yeah, please. Looking up? Okay. <laughs> All the books that I have are ones that you got me, to be fair. So you got me books for our anniversary. (laughs) And uh, I got uh, Not So Meat Cute by Megan Quinn. We Are All So Good at Smiling, Amber McBride. Furiously Happy by Jenny Lawson. And Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt. Um, I can't say too much about any of these because I haven't read them, but the last two in particular, we've looked at the Furiously Happy Creatures like a book of like essays about like nature and like just funny interesting stuff it seems like great cover remarkably bright creatures you said you got that one after i read the um the other octopus sea life so both of those were um they both kind of came out at the same time and Mm -hmm. they both had to do with an octopus but in remarkably bright creatures the octopus gets a pov yeah yeah so i've i've been and again Amazing cover. I've I've been looking forward to these like that one so much. I, I want to read it pretty badly. So that's what I got. What did you get? So I got okay. 
Heartless Hunter, which was my book of the month club book. Mm-hmm. I got Ruthless Vows, which is the second book to Divine Rivals. And then I got um, To Cage a God by Elizabeth May as part of my Illumicrate box. Nice. I think that's it. Yeah. I've been pretty good. Yeah. I went into a bookstore and I came out with one book. It's going to be worse slash better for our mid-month in uh, <laughs> March because we're taking a trip in like two days to mm-hmm. Wilmington and we're probably going to hit up a few bookstores while we're out there. Yes. So. Because the last time we went to Wilmington, we went to comic book stores and not actual bookstores. Right. So <laughs> it will be so worse slash better. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the stuff that we read. We, we, this first segment lasted a while. So long. But yeah. Let's get into stuff that, yeah. we, that we've actually read and our thoughts on stuff. Uh, this is our wrap up for the month. Um, so my Goodreads goal, I'm trying to read 75 books this month. I'm year. A, this year. This year. This year. Sorry. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Um, I'm out, I'm, or I'm up to nine out of 75 this month. That's where I'm at currently. That's awesome. Um, audiobooks are starting to help me yes. again because I'm out on the road doing work and stuff, uh, driving to and from work and whatnot. So like that's helping quite a bit. Uh, but I've also had more time to actually sit down and read stuff and mm-hmm. finish books. Um, so what are you, what's your Goodreads goal at? So I am... My goal was 135 books this year. Yeah. I'm at 34. Yeah. You you read a lot this month. I read 17 books last month and 17 books this month. Yeah. That was... And I might be able to finish another book before tomorrow. Yeah. That's just... Maybe two. I have I two just... small books with me. Yeah. there's It's just <laughs> unbelievable. So and, uh... and they were longer books mm-hmm. than last year's book. Or last month's books. Yeah. Do you, do you want to go first with yours, or do you yeah, want me to d- go? Cause let I, me go. Okay. Just because... It's gonna, yeah, just because. Just because. Okay. So <laughs> I have a lot to say about the few books that I've read. Yeah, that's awesome. I and have little to say about a lot of my books. It'll probably balance out then. Yeah. You go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I the have ones... a lot of questions. Though, so. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy about that. Okay, so my first book of the month was Fake It Till You Bake It. I gave that a four. I talked about that last episode, so I'm going to go through these five pretty quickly. Real quick. First question. Is that the best pun book you've ever read? Or do you? No. Really? The title as a pun? No. You don't wasn't. think it's the best one? What, what is the best? I don't know. But, but it wasn't this. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll, we'll make that a question uh, for a future episode. Go ahead. <laughs> um, Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez. Or Jimenez, sorry. Um, it's a five-star book. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. I Yeah, I loved it. It's... it's Yeah. It, it's one of the few books this month where I was, like, jazzed after I finished reading it. And jazzed the whole way through. You seem super enthusiastic, yeah. yeah. And you uh, read it kind of fast. Yeah, yeah. I did. Well, uh, Two days. <laughs> yeah. Into the Drowning Deep, I gave this a four. Um, I really liked this one, too. This was the... It was one of my Christmas books, so it was on my to-do list. Uh, a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, I gave it a 3.5. Did you cover that in the last episode? I did. Yeah. Just making sure. Go ahead. Um, and then Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute by Talia Hibbert was my book that you gave me at the beginning of the month. Mm-hmm. I gave that a four. I liked it, but it didn't... It wasn't, like, groundbreaking. Yeah. So I didn't expect it to be. I was reading <laughs> Ruination by Anthony Reynolds. 
Mm-hmm. I did finish it. It took me, it was probably the book that took me the longest to read because it was physically heavy. <laughs> the pages were like, they're like, like dance, almost glossy. like printer yeah. paper. And so it make printer pager printer paper books make books heavier. Yeah. And it was a hardback. So I sat at the table to read this one a lot more yep. because my thumb started hurting. And it was a League of Legends or it's a League of Legends novel. If you're not familiar, it is a, a video game um, based novel. We talked about how many characters there are yeah, last episode. We did. Yeah, which is um, still blows my mind, but being a League, a League of Legends novel was both good and bad for somebody like me because I know enough about League of Legends to know some stuff, but not enough. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you didn't know anything going into it, you would treat it as a whole separate entity. Right. That's what it is. So knowing some of it is worse, I think, mm. because then you're, like, trying to piece it together and then you know oh, the outcome. That's interesting. Like, yeah. I already knew the outcome because I knew the character. Yeah. But if you go into it and you read and you have no... Like, if you read it, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, this is this is just a fantasy series. Mm-hmm. Or a fantasy story. Because you don't know a whole lot about League of Legends. Yeah. I, I feel like if you know it's connected to a prior property, though, I feel like I would be constantly thinking... Well, who is this? What's the backstory? Right. There's but if you just go into there, it with yeah. like no expectations, it's pretty good. Sure. Like yeah. it's a cool like story if, about if they just stripped League of Legends novel off the yeah. cover, like it'd be great. Yeah. It's a cool story about betrayal. Yeah. Yep. I like that. So Glad I gave it like a three point five because of my because of my issues with the the knowing and the not knowing. Yeah. Um then I did LVOE by Atticus, which was a book of poetry that I got for Valentine's Day. Um, I briefly talked about that, that I got it. Or did I read it that day? No, I don't think I read it that day. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Spiraling. Um, it was a really good book of poetry. Atticus does a lot of, like, short, quippy I think you said like Instagram poetry. Is that the way you put it? it like Tumblr is is where Tumblr it start, that type That's of poetry you, yeah, started. Yeah, yeah. Where it was kind of like like motivational quotes yeah. originally, and then it turned into like poetry. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then no, some of these great. were longer, which I felt like they were more heartfelt. Um, I actually put on here that this was less Tumblr like. <laughs> Where does this stack up with the other ones? Because I think, wasn't it the second one I think that you liked the most? Or is it the first one? The Love Her Wild. Love Her Wild, I think, is my favorite. That was the second one, I, I think. think. So. Yeah. That was, I think that's my favorite, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Could but, be wrong. I mean, Dark, this one's Dark really Beyond good. Stars was the other yeah, one. Yeah, that one was really nice. See, I like them because they all, like, they all do, they all are a similar format. Yeah. But do something different. And he, he seems like he matures yeah. between each book. Like, it seems like he gets well, more sophisticated and in his so poetry. In, yeah. in, in the other books, you see his journey into falling in love. And I think this one is about them not being together anymore. Mm. Oh, well, that's depressing. Got you that for Valentine's Day, so. Well, he he gets over it. He gets over it. <laughs> It's not the best, not the best <laughs> response to that, but all right. So I gave that a five. Yeah. Um, Dating and Dismemberment was a monster romance story that I, I got by A.L. Brody. 
I gave this a five. I really enjoyed it. It's it's a world where like monsters are more the norm and it's not just like Frankenstein monsters. It, it's like the Yeti or the, the creature of the Black Lagoon or like Swamp Thing, Mothra. Like it's it's those type of monsters. Mm. And so each kind of monster cryptid, Yes, yeah. thank you. Each monster gets like a, a haunting zone. Yeah. And um what's her name? Darla kind of gets tired of the hunt. Mm. And so she takes a sabbatical. But she's a monster. Takes and a as, sabbatical. And as soon as she does that, um, her zone becomes free game. Mm-hmm. And another monster com- comes in on her territory. But it's a love story because it's a romance. So I don't know. It was really good. And they like bonded, bonded over like different ways that they kill people and maul mm-hmm. people and like I, I don't know two questions yes. about this one in particular okay first is very for a very narrow audience scale of one to ten how much of this is borderlands humor would you say ten being claptrap screaming at the sky oh then it's like a seven six okay yeah it's more like it's more tiny tina humor well, Where she gets excited. Well, okay, but well, you said clap traps. Like, I, I'm just saying. I think. Okay, yeah, but yeah, uh-huh. like it's if anybody knows anything about Borderlands, it's like like Tiny Tina's whole thing is like blowing mm-hmm. people up or mm-hmm. dismemberment or like tying people to chairs and shocking them. Like it's that kind of. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You said it so casually. Uh, second thing, what audience would you recommend this to? Because we talk, This book. Yeah, this one. Yes. We. We talked about this before, and you said that... Butcher and Blackbird is not for everybody. I think that you said you wouldn't even recommend this one to everybody, either. I don't know. Hang on. You said that there was some stuff in this that you were just kind of like, no, I don't know. Well, okay, so like... Because they're, they're somewhat similar, but Butcher and Blackbird is like more extreme. Yes, and raunchier. There's yeah. no... There's no like... Okay. It's fire. It's fire. It's you can not tell. overtly sexual like yeah. Butcher and Blackbird is. Okay. But the 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 like the dismemberment part okay. is the part that might not be for everybody. I think that's but what. But I don't. But the way that it's done is more humor. Okay. Then. Is it less explicit, like in terms of like yeah. the stuff that's on the page? Yeah. So okay. it's it's. So. Because we talked about that with both of them. That's yeah, the only reason I'm so bringing that up. Yeah, too, that's the only reason I'm bringing it up. Yeah. So, with, so just to get to just a small example, which is not in the book, right? Yeah. So, a Butcher and Blackbird type of humor, or not humor even, type of scenario would be like, there is body parts everywhere. Mm-hmm. The dating and dismemberment would be like, uh, an ear fell right on to my face where my ear was. Like, because that's kind of funny. Probably not. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. But you get what I'm saying? Like... Yeah. Like, the... the, the Or, like... Um, or, like, an ear splattered onto a ball and made it look like it was part of a face or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it wouldn't just be, like, parts laying around. It's still grotesque, but it's not, like... Yeah. It's not in excess. Like, in one of the parts... Yeah. Like, the, the mom is literally, like, a head... Okay. 
and the monsters can't die. Mm-hmm. And so the mom's head sits on a dresser mm-hmm. and talks to Darla okay. and tells Darla what to do. That's and right. she's just a head. I think that's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. when she drinks, it just like she has to be sat in a bowl. Okay. Yeah. And Darla has to hand her, well, doesn't hand her, puts the straw in her mouth and she drinks her drink and then she floods. Okay. Like, that's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely hilarious. All right. Um, what's the next one you got? Then I have um, Divine Rival Rivals. Oh, my. Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. This I gave a five-star book. Rebecca. Or five-star. Oh. Rebecca Ross, yeah. Why did I think it was the Aros? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a five-star for me because um, it was very unexpected. I mm-hmm. didn't know what it was about. I liked that there was a strong female character. Um, you know, a lot of times, whenever a lot of bad things happen to women in books, they need to be protected in some way. And she's like, no, I think I'm going to go to war. I think I'm going to be a war co- correspondent. And it's like, all right, good for you. <laughs> or she's like, no, I'm going to quit school so I can go to work, so I can provide for my family. It'll be fine. Right. So... I did not know that this was going to be a war story. So this is fantasy. It's a war story between two gods. I knew they were warring gods, but I didn't know it was a war. Because warring gods and a war are very different things. But this is like trench war. Yeah. And they're like in trenches. And they have certain places they can go in the daytime. And they have sirens. It's it's very much a world war. Mm -hmm. And so I I didn't have a clue it would be like that. But it was so good. Of all the books you read this month, I think this is the one that I'm the most interested in. Yeah, I think you'd love this. I think it's right up my alley. I think so, for too. For sure. Yeah. And so, when there's typewriters in it. Yeah, and I, of course. There's so many clues. There's a typewriter behind me right so now. There's so many clues that told me this. that this was going to be like a historical setting. But you didn't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, that is a good surprise for you. So, the next one I have is Dare Me by Megan Abbott. I gave mm-hmm. this a four star. Um, overall, the book was really good and it had a really, like, had really interesting points. The problem I had with it was it was uh, a single POV and, and it wouldn't be an issue um, except that it was, like, the only thoughts that you got were her, like, so you were her brain and not her eyes and ears and mouth. So you just got her thoughts and what she said. And you got a little bit of back and forth, but not a whole lot. There were parts that made it seem like it was... I mean, everything was super one-sided, obviously, because you're only getting one POV. And this could have benefited from a multi-POV. Well, I think that the POV should have been... It was a little less trustworthy, I guess. Mm. Because you didn't get all the information. But I think that was kind of the point, too. Because then there's a... There's like twists and stuff that yeah. you don't see coming because you're not privy to that information. That's fair. So, I don't yeah. know. On one hand, it bothered me, but on the other hand, it it, it worked. And I got you this one for the 12 mm-hmm. Christmas gifts. It. It, and it's the adaptation. Are you interested in watching the show? I do want to watch think? the show. It has an 85% of Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that seems pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's on yeah, Netflix. I think, yeah. I think it was a really cool, like, story. Yeah. There, there was a twist, and I actually was surprised by it. 
We should check it out. Because yeah, I, 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 I want to point out when I get surprised by twists mm-hmm. because I usually try to figure a book out uh, yeah, or I've read to the end right. to yeah. see what happens. I found out I'm not the only one that does that. There's well, a whole book group not. of us. Yeah, I was going to say, of course not. Yeah. 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 I'll probably never read that book, to be yeah. fair. Um, but I would love to watch the show. I think you'd like the show. We I should, don't know that you'll like the book. We should we should check out the show. Yeah. Um. So I did the do. I read the Do Over by Lynn Painter. I gave this a five star book. I loved it. I thought this was so cute. Um. It's. It's like a like Chris not Christmas. So there's a a movie on. Family Channel or it used to be on those channels and now you can get it on Netflix. It's called Twelve Days of Christmas. Oh. And she falls down in the mall and she re- relives every single day over and over and over until she gets it right, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what this was, but with Valentine's Day. She relives it over and over and over until she has the best Valentine's Day. And there's like, you try to figure out what the key was, like what made her relive it. Mm-hmm. And then you find out at the end. I thought it was so cute. Yeah. It's it probably like the, the most joyful book to read. I love that. Yeah. Sounds like you need that kind of shake up right. based on everything else. Right. I read some dense things. Yeah. Um, I also read the short story Three Blind Mice by Agatha Christie. I gave this a 4.25. It is a, um, like a, like a, it's not a closed room, but it's like a one setting story. Mm-hmm. There were some parts in the beginning that, that, drew on a little bit just because you're like setting up time period and stuff like that i didn't think any of that was necessary but (laughs) you're criticizing the queen of like mystery it was such a neat story (laughs) and like so much of mystery and thrillers are built around an agatha christie bone try to try to recover from (laughs) that criticism so like i have heard the story like yeah. I've 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 seen this type of story play well, out before. Yeah, because she created it, right? <laughs> and everybody adapts. So I think it. that yeah. that's really cool, but it is an older thing, and so I think that's where my disconnect is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked it. And that was also a Christmas book. It was a book with the three uh, a book with the three in the title. Um. Then. <laughs> I read Instant Karma. It was a 3.25 for me. I did not like this girl. So I I have a book planner where I kind of jot down information, stuff about the book. My least favorite character was the main character. Mm -hmm. She was not likable. It took like 170 pages before she even became likable, uh, which shouldn't have to be. But it's like she was mean for no reason. Mm. And... I don't know. It, it was it was another enemies to lovers, and I think by this time I was like kind of tired of that. <laughs> Rom- yeah. I, I think I was almost you, done with romance by this time. You you had a you had a month that was packed with like similar things yeah. and similar genres, and I think that like really weighed heavily on a lot right. of your like the way that you perceived a lot of stuff. But later this in one the month. this one just felt fine. Yeah. And, like, the, the story is about a girl who gets karmic powers. So she can uh, choose karma on mm-hmm. people. So good or bad. The story literally could have been told without that. And I think that's where my problem is. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was saying that, like, the the 
point of it was kind of like leading things to this domino effect, but that could have been done a different way anyway. So it doesn't really matter. The karmic power, she just like, she sucked. So she was just, she was just like putting sucky stuff on other people. Right. But could have been no without that too. I get it. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I had I, I had a lot to say about that already. So I think I burnt out on saying it because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't like that one when I was reading it. I don't think. Then I have get alive, Chloe Brown. I gave this a four star. This is by Talia Hibbert. Also, I liked this a lot more than her YA. So this is the same person that did. Um, Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute. In Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute, the drama went on a little bit too long because it was high school and high school drama goes on too long. Mm-hmm. This one, it felt a lot more normal paced. Um, Chloe Brown has fibromyalgia, so it makes her a little grumpy and um, she doesn't like dealing with people all the time because she's in pain all the time. She almost dies in the very beginning, so this is not a spoiler at all. Like, it starts out with, like, I almost died today. Mm-hmm. And then she decides to make a get-a-life list. And she finds this guy. His name is Redman. She decides that he's going to be the one that helps her get a life. So she wants to get drunk. She wants to uh, go to a party. She wants to go to bars. She wants to ride a motorcycle. It's a enemies to lovers, so... It's also a romance. Like, it's pretty obvious what happens. There is some spice to it. Um, so it's not for everybody if you're not into that. Mm-hmm. But it's a cute story. And it's not... It didn't make me angry, which is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> but I was burning out on romance. But I had to finish my TBR because I was so close. Mm-hmm. My last book on my TBR, which I still read more books after this. But my last book on my TBR was by the book by jasmine gilroy i gave this a four star it's a beauty and the beast retelling but like no fantasy it's just a grumpy guy and a a sweet girl story mm-hmm. <laughs> but this had a, a a theme that like book lovers does um beach read meet me in the margins uh something draft roughish draft like it, it's all like book related Love stories. Right, right. So. Feels like a whole genre at this point. After that, I finished my TBR that I planned out. And I still read two more books. I am going long. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, So I read Heartless Hunter by Kristen Kikarelli. Also an Enemies to Lovers. (laughs) (laughs) It took me about 100 pages to get into it. But it's a really cool story. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about... A witch hunter and a witch, where obviously, like, being a witch is not cool and not allowed, illegal, um, and it gets you, like, killed. Mm-hmm. And she's a witch hiding in plain sight who helps other witches. And the easiest way to get information is trying to seduce the captain of the guard, mm. who's a witch hunter. On the other note, the easiest way for him to get like to figure out who the the person is that's like saving all these witches is is to try to get close to the person he suspects Mm -hmm. so it's a really good story um i really liked it 
Yeah. Like by the end, I I wanted to read the second one, and then I remembered that it came out in February, and so the second one's not going to be here for a while. Right. Yeah, you have a little bit of a wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you about this one when we get off of this because I want to tell you what happens at the end, mm-hmm. but it is going to be a spoiler. So. Yeah. Okay. Um. Butcher and the Blackbird is my last book of the month that I've read so far by Bryn Weaver. It's a rough, it's a five star book. The campaign for this book has been crazy. I have never seen advertising like this book I, ever. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, I don't even think like Sarah J. Mass has gotten advertising like this book. This has popped up on Facebook as an ad. It's popped mm-hmm. up on Instagram as an ad. Like they paid ads. Yeah, I saw some YouTube ads as well. Yeah, and it's like and it's like really good, like animated. Yeah, they're like nice. Cell shaded, like paneling ads, yep. which is like a pretty big deal. So, so I really loved this book. Yeah. Um. There are a lot of trigger warnings in this book. Absolutely. Yeah. This <laughs> is like the. It's a higher spice level. It's more like grotesque. It's. It's a lot if you're if that's not right for you. Right. Yeah. I have a darker sense of humor, so it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like dismemberment. Mm-hmm. There's like on page dismemberment. Also, cannibalism. Yeah. And... There's cannibalism, accidental cannibalism, cannibalism. Um, there is a. There's a lot of, there's a whole page of trigger warnings. Just. Yeah, I don't remember. A lot of, a <laughs> lot of stuff, yeah. But if this is something that's going to sound interesting to you, look at those first. It's in the very front of the book, which mm-hmm. I love when people do that. I don't need them, mm-hmm. but I know that it's helpful for a lot of people. So if I don't need them, I just read, don't read them. But I was curious about these because they were presented in yeah. an interesting way. Scale of one to ten, Borderlands humor. This is like a like a ten. Yeah. 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 I mean, because like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so aggressively annoying is what you're saying. No. no I just... <laughs> See, I what you think of annoying, and what I think of annoying are different. <laughs> no. Um. So this is about two serial killers who actually hunt other serial killers, and they decide to make it a game every year to. Parse out clues to figure out who the yearly hunt is. Mm. Well, eventually, they become friends, best friends, and then they become lovers. And it's a really good... Oh, gosh, it's such a good story. Like, it... it <laughs> mm. It's a type of romance that works for them. Because, rom- mm-hmm. like, we've talked about this in the mid-month episode. Everybody's romance is not the same. And they're two very extreme people. Yes. So, like, so one is, like, <laughs> super calculated... And very meticulous and like, like, just everything she does is thought out. Mm -hmm. And he is like a bull. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to put it. Like, he's a bull. He goes in and does and then he's done. Mm -hmm. But they're both very good. Yeah. Like, they have, they even have like... Name, like, it's really kind of a neat story because, like, they have like names, like nicknames, and then they have like these really cute names for each other. I don't know. I think it's so sweet in a grotesque way. But even if you took, even if you, like, if you just charted the path of their love story, mm-hmm. didn't talk about the details, if you just charted, like, the way 
the way he talks to her mm-hmm. or the way she internalizes about him because she doesn't she doesn't share her feelings whereas mm-hmm. he puts his feelings on his sleeve the whole time so like she internalizes these thoughts about him and he like tells her that the ground she walk like basically to the extent that like the ground she walks on isn't even good enough for her mm-hmm. like that's how it sounds when he's talking to her yeah and i think it's really sweet like if you took out all the murder <laughs> and I just wrote down key points of their relationship. It's a big thing to take out. It but would be I understand so nice. Yeah. Like, I get what you're It's saying. a good book. It is. I will not recommend this to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like there are so many people that I don't think need to read this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's, oh, Danny asked to borrow it. <laughs> that was like the one friend that I'd be like, well, I did suggest it to my other friend too, but they read the same kind of stuff. Okay. So, I mean, it's stuff like that. Like, yeah. you have to know your audience for stuff like this. And, I mean, that's why I thought trigger warnings were super important. <laughs> um, but it is a dark rom-com. I understand that, day. yeah. I mean, I'm super interested. I, I mean, the, like the marketing one. campaign was great. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like it is, like, so... I like excess sometimes. Yeah. And one of the books I'm going to talk about is, like, definitely excess. <laughs> I, I like that. I like yeah. whenever it goes over the top and it is like clear that they are like playing with reality to the right. point to where it's like this is beyond yeah what we could expect in the realistic, you know. So. Is that all you have for your Yeah, that's it. Reading? Yeah. Yeah. So I have like five five stars, I think. Yeah. You had a really, really good month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean my lowest rated book was a three point two five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's not bad. No. But I rarely rate under three, so. That's fair to you. That is reserved for some special people. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? All right. So I finished four books um, since our mid-month episode. I finished, uh, well, I'll just go nail them a little bit more slowly and talk about each of them. Uh, these are probably not in order. Uh, actually, mm. let me. No, let me put them in order. All right, Cinnamon and Gunpowder, the Eli Brown book, which I started this month. The pirate book that you got me, I think this is for day one of the 12 okay. books of Christmas thing. I think you started it last month. Probably, yeah, I probably did. So I finished that one um, pretty quickly after our mid-month episode. Uh, fantastic book, gave it five stars. Uh, it's just... I really don't know what else to say about it. You're stingier with your five stars than, than I am too. So I yeah. think that that t- says something. Yeah, it was it was very good. I It was one of the few where it's like I didn't really question the five star, which is wild. Because it's like a, we talked about with the, the Douglas Adams books, like mm-hmm. the Hitchhiker stuff. Like, like was, the first book. Yeah. Irre- irre- never mind. It was, Whatever that word is. It was one of the quickest, easiest five stars either yeah. of us have given. Yeah. And Cinnamon and Gunpowder was kind of similar. Because after I finished it, I tried to think. And I was I thought there was like maybe two or three little nitpicks that I had with it. But other than that, it was it was very much like a solid book. Um, whenever we do our, our uh, end of the year wrap up for characters... I think Mabbit is going to be like a big contender awesome. for best character. Just, I cannot even say enough about how unbelievable she is as a character. Like, unbelievable in terms of like, 
her growth and revealing her character and just the way that she operates like psychologically i don't i don't know how somebody could maintain so many roles and i'm trying to tiptoe around spoilers but like how somebody could maintain so many roles uh within because it's a life. traditional pirate story it is to like, a large extent what you think of pirates yeah. like this is it yeah kind of yeah so like for the most part yeah, the the core concept is not like is a the, fantastical element. No, 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 yeah. not at all. Yeah, um, the core concept is like you know, and I mentioned it in an earlier episode, but like uh, a chef essentially gets kidnapped after his like, like I, I don't want to say <laughs> what what's the term for somebody owner. I don't want to say owner. That's what I was avoiding. <laughs> like his employer, his employer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Aggressive employer. That's what we're going to go like with. A, like a Scrooge and uh, Cratchit situation? A little bit, but not entirely. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, so the guy the guy got killed by Mabbit and her crew. Um, and then she kidnapped the chef because she was like, oh, this food is amazing. And then she's like, you know, every Sunday you have to make a great meal for me. Um and or you die. To, yeah, to keep like your your place yeah. on the crew, and he slowly but surely develops this like pretty traditional pirate story, and uh, it it, tip, it taps into like the way that pirates exist on myth and like legends, and you know the mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many elements. We, like how a pirate story is developed instead of just like living it. Yeah. Like, how pirates become, like, what we know of pirates today. Yeah, of course, because, like, like... There are, like, notorious pirates, and they're, like, creatures of legend because of how good and elusive they are. Yeah. And this is almost, like, one of those stories that, like, tells you why. It builds the myth, but it also breaks down the myth. Like, it explains, mm-hmm. like, the, there are points where they talk about, like, well, here are the, like the scientific and mechanical things that these pirates used, but because they were so wildly innovative that other people saw these as like magic or they saw this as like otherworldly and it just like blew people away. Literally. Yeah. Honestly. It's a yeah. Story. Yeah. And, and, and again, <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, pretty aggressively grotesque in some areas like it is not super super great um but at the same time there's there are these beautifully like philosophical moments about food i think i read a a quote Mm -hmm. in the mid-month episode there's just so much great like philosophical musings on like life and like food and flavors and our senses and our experiences that we have as people i don't know it's just such a great breakdown um, overall. Love that book. Five out of five, for sure. Um, and then I read uh, Bright Lights, Big Christmas by Mary Kay Andrews. This was my Christmas book, like actual Christmas book. Um, I gave that four stars. I love this book. Um, it's There were some like technical things, a few characters that were not super greatly developed and things like that that bumped it down to four. But overall, it was just such a feel-good book. I can see myself going back and reading this somewhat soon. Like, I may read it again this winter, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So the concept of this is 
uh, a woman and her family owns a Christmas tree farm in Western North Carolina, which is where I'm from, to be clear. Uh, and uh, they uh, they have one of the bigger Christmas tree farms in the state. And every year, her father and her brother takes a load of Christmas trees up to New York, and they have this block, basically, where they park their trailer, and they live in this, like, camper trailer and sell their Christmas trees and just set up this stand where they have, like, these amazingly, like, super well-kept Christmas trees that they sell. And that's, like, a huge portion of their profits for the year. Well, and, and again, all this is not super spoilers because when they like the first like 20 pages but uh her father had a pretty serious medical emergency so he couldn't make it and they needed somebody else to help man the station basically because her brother couldn't do it alone so she agrees to go with him <laughs> and uh they both go up to uh to new york and she's city she's she yeah new york city mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's in the uh, West Village, I think, I believe. Um, and she's, like, not accustomed to this at all. She's very grumpy and very much against it. She hates the idea. They kind of pressure her to go. And the entire story is basically her finding out that, like, this area of New York City has a community. And she finds her place within this community and starts to grow and... Obviously, there's a love interest, um, and she kind of starts to find out who she is after losing her job and going through a bunch of other like traumatic events and things like that. So, uh, I really like this book primarily because it like sort of flips the stereotypes mm-hmm. on their heads. Because a lot of times with Christmas books or like Hallmark movie type stories the smaller the more quaint yeah the smaller the better it's like people go from the big city to the small town and they like fit in and learn to love it this is the opposite like she learns to find out that like people in the city can also create community they can also be good people they can also love people and maybe it's just the fact that i like new york city a lot (laughs) (laughs) but like i i just adore it. And I mean, she found, like, the southern hospitality, but in this village. Exactly. And, and, and even, village. and even when, within, like, the grumpy people that were there, even the people that had a little bit more of that, like, stereotypically, like, northern, like, coldness, she still found, like, humanity in them and was like, no, I get why you're like this. I understand it. Like, you're around so many people, you get kind of deadened to, like, this empathy to an extent. So, it was a great story. I loved it. Um, And then, here's where it gets to some weird stuff, I guess. Um, So, you had me choose. Yeah, yeah, we should start there, actually. (laughs) Go ahead. Because I I was having to, I was going to start doing a little bit more work on the road and stuff. So, like. So, you had me choose um, books to listen to. And I chose two. I chose one because I knew it was one that we had looked at before. And I chose the other because I had briefly heard about it. And the cover was cool. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That's what happens when you judge a book by its cover. <laughs> right. So, these are... 
I mean, they're not my best reads of the month, but they're maybe the most interesting <laughs> because they were unexpected. Right. So the first one is Flux uh, by Jinwen Chang. Or Chong? Can't even read my own handwriting there. <laughs> so I don't know if that's an A or an O. It's my handwriting. Um, I gave this four stars. Uh, this book... It's weird. <laughs> I don't know how else to put yeah. it. It's a debut novel, which is even more interesting to oh. me. Yeah. Debut. It sounded so complex. It it blew people away, apparently. Yeah. It was like a debut. Like, there were so many people. Like that it were... re- the way you described it, Yeah, it sounded like it was somebody's, like, passion project. Yeah. That they were already established, and they were like, all right, let me go off the rails a little bit. No, no. It That's was crazy. Debut novel. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. So, this is a very non-conventional speculative fiction it's novel. Definitely speculative fiction. Yeah. So, so the concept of this, and I, I'm going to try to lay it out as clear as I can, which is not going to be super clear because it's not a very clear novel. <laughs> You're shaking your head. It, yeah. When you were when you were describing this to me, I was lost almost the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's hard to lay out. It okay. To be fair, beautiful novel. Mm-hmm. I I I kind of want to get a physical copy mm-hmm. and eventually read through it physically. I think audiobook is not the way to I go. I think it would be easier. I want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. because the audiobook it it was kind of convoluted. But okay, so here here's what I was gonna say. So it's a it's a story about a guy. <laughs> This is so weird. A guy who, well, there's multiple plot lines, and Ed, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil too much or anything. This is within the first like 50 pages or something, and it's a decently long novel. So there are multiple plot lines that you kind of tap into. There is a guy who, it who lost his job, and falls down an elevator shaft, basically, after buying, like, an expensive handbag. He doesn't die from it, but he wakes up kind of, like, rattled. There's also another plot line that's in, like, the past of a kid who is kind of obsessed with this TV show that's, like, a essentially, like, a kind of MacGyver sort of... Uh, Kit Knight Rider sort of show. Um, if anybody, I don't know if anybody listening knows what these things are, but anyway, it's it's like an old school kind of like a like hard boiled detective noir kind of not going by the books type of thing. I guess it, like the Shield might be a little bit more. I don't know. It's not even. I mean, much the guy remade. Sure, so but it's I, fine. Anyway. <laughs> So it's like this, it's like this weird intellectual, like breaking the rules sort of mentality of it. Um, He's obsessed with that, and it's like this kid that's dealing with like his family trauma. And then there's this future thing with this guy who gets a a voice box implant that, again, it's going off the rails. I don't know how to explain this. It's, It's a time travel speculative fiction. Yeah. Yeah. thing where it's, the influence is the flux capacitor okay <laughs> you made it even worse oh no <laughs> okay all right so let me the, the okay 
the central concept is that within our reality, there was this company that was created that was trying to create these batteries Mm -hmm. that would be like 25 plus years in length for these batteries. And they said they could translate these batteries into generators that would also work for 25 plus years and be able to power like massive structures, which would address our climate change issues, which would address like our power grid issues. And it is very much like a, a, a semi-apocalyptic novel because it is about the way that like we're going to have these massive blackouts if we don't like address our energy mm-hmm. use issues. So this company that is doing that essentially broke down and was like accused of creating time travel. And it's not a huge spoiler. That's just kind of what is happening within the plot. And this, these three plus different timelines or plot lines that are developed within the novel play into it. Again, incredibly hard to describe this thing. Speculative fiction, potential time travel, uh, climate disaster. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm throwing out themes at this point because it's like, <laughs> eco. it's too so hard to eco, eco, eco warrior. Yeah. But it, not. It, it's very hard to describe. Um, a very good novel. What'd you give it? <laughs> uh, four stars. Yeah. 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 It's uh, well, yeah, I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but like it's, 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 it was a three for the longest time. It was. Yeah. And then it kind of, it's, brought it all in it's a type of novel where they introduce like the three four five plot lines without connecting them Mm -hmm. and then once they start to connect it's like okay this is good like this makes sense and uh the statements that they're making are very solid as well so all right that was that uh, the next one that I read, uh, again, uh, audiobook that I finished uh, yesterday, I think it was. Ow. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, it's a Swamp Story by Dave Barry. Um, this one is weird. I'm not. I'm going to try not to hark on it too much. I could say so much about this After book. you telling me about it, I still wanted to read it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read it again because I think I missed some stuff. I think reading it, like physically reading it, yeah. would be better. Oh my gosh, yeah. And it's a so it's a it's a story about Florida, <laughs> and uh, so Florida. And that's uh, that's it. That's it. And the next <laughs> that's the book that I read story. was no, I'm just <laughs> now it's um it's a very good story. They again, there's multiple characters that they follow, uh, a very colorful cast of characters uh, in the Everglades. And the concept of this is a satirical take on the Everglades within Florida and Florida as an entity overall. Because they don't only satirize the Everglades, they satirize like Miami, they satirize like the political institutions like in a Florida. Florida man type thing. So much so. Yeah. It has a National Lampoon feel, and that's what I've been trying to think about. Yeah. Like yeah, anything National it does. Lampoon did. 
that's what it felt like. It does. It, but it also, so much of the humor reminds me of Douglas Adams. Yeah. It reminds me of like Hitchhiker's like a Like a conversation about. Yeah. Like a criticism. Yeah, almost. for sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give, again, the, the basic rundown. I could talk about this for days, but I'm, I'm going to try to keep it super, super quick because we, we don't want to run on too long. So the concept of this is, um, so there's one group of people. <laughs> there's there's a, the characters like Slater and his best friend and his uh, girlfriend who has a he has a baby with. They are well, him Slater and his best friend are trying to create a reality show where they're basically like the Glades Man, where they're trying to be like snake wranglers and like living in the outback out back of the glades and stuff like that um his girlfriend jesse um with the kid she's trying to kind of get away from everyone because she realizes that she made a mistake being with him like he's gone off the rails he mistreats her and things like that so she wants to break away then there's another group of characters uh i think it's ken and brad i think are the two brothers that run the bait and beer shop it's ken and brad Mm -hmm. um so ken wants to make this beer shop he wants to like buy into like this weird like cryptid create like a a cryptid story uh like a mythological story for the place like an attraction yeah like make it like a tourist trap essentially because they're running out of everything all their suppliers don't come by anymore it's it's called Border Bortle Brothers Bait and Beer, and they don't have any bait because the people who supply bait don't come by, and they barely have beer. So it's just the brothers. But yeah, because nobody <laughs> nobody that supplies beer will come by either. So they have nothing. <laughs> uh, they have like these weird like novelty things that have been in the store for like ten plus years. That's all they have. Um, and Brad. He's like the more realist. He like hates it. He he just realizes it's like a dying business. Uh, Ken is like obsessed with Shark Tank, uh, the show, and he wants to like. He's like it's all about branding. We just have to brand it and get out there, you know. Uh, and then there's another group of characters, Phil and Stu. Uh, Phil is like a he lost his job as a as a distinguished journalist and he kind of sunk into alcoholism and Stu again I I think it's Stu I might be getting some of these names mixed up there's so many characters uh Stu is like trying to push him to do like weird stuff to like make money and again he's also obsessed with Shark Tank to be clear uh it's a it's one of the connections that they have there uh and he he knows that like social media like TikTok is the best way to go so he's trying to make like a, a viral meme, basically. And throughout all of this, all of these different groups of people converge. They have all these like weird interactions and just like... It's, yeah, it sounded it's cha- so good. It's chaos. Yeah. It is total chaos. It's like typical like Animal House, kind of like mm-hmm. ridiculous... Wrong, wrong place, wrong time, kind of hijinks. Yeah, it it just 
It, it reminds me of stuff like uh, the Leslie Nelson movies, like Airplane or like Naked Gun or something like that, where it's satirical, over the top, like really. I mean, there's a character named Skeeter that is just basically a snake wrangler that is the most stereotypical like Python wrangler in the Glades guy. The even the politician is the most stereotypical politician who is just like hates everybody and is willing to like kill people to like try to win a bit win a bid for presidency and stuff like that at great great story again i only gave it four stars because like there are some parts and it may be audiobook issues but there are parts where it is rare for me to give an audiobook a five star yeah because i have not invested my time and dedication what, to paying fully to it it's not even just that i think it's the the author read the audiobook for this one that's right and that may not be a problem he's a good he's a good reader to be fair his voice is great for it but there's a lot of dialogue tags where like uh you know brad said this and jesse said this and uh ken said this and like it, it just it felt repetitive and it felt like it dug in a little bit too much I, I don't know. I felt like I started having some issues with it and started feeling some repetition that didn't need mm. to be there. And also, they played on the same type of joke a little bit too much. Um, so, for example, they had this moment, and again, I'm not trying to hold us up or anything, but like they had this moment where um, there was a... They would say something like, Well, who who showed up for the the barbecue? And they would be like, "Oh, well, it was the the uh, melon monster." What's the melon monster? Mm. Well, the melon monster is this, uh, and that's what the melon monster. You know, this and this. Okay, but they showed up for the barbecue. Yeah, they showed up for the barbecue. Okay, the melon monster. Like, it I see. it's very circular conversations. It's very funny the first time they do that. Right. But then they do these circular jokes like that at least four or five times. I see. And it feels like those happen cons- like so consistently throughout the book. Um, so I had issues with that. But Like it like spelled out the joke by the end. It did a lot, yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and also like is a little bit of his on the nose. But again, that's like satire, I guess. So, but... Again, four stars for that. Um, I didn't finish another book. Uh, I started reading uh, Three Small Bones by Jennifer Chase. I got to about 139 is where I'm, in, where I'm at in that book. This book is great. One of the easiest books I've ever read, probably. Um, it's basically like reading uh, uh, three episodes of Law and Order. <laughs> That's what it feels like. That's awesome. Yeah, because it feels like it's like, totally just like drawn out detect not in a bad way drawn out like detective right, but like realistically drawn out instead of like yeah. csi where you get the results right away it's exactly. like 10 days later yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah to an extent i mean if right. it still a little bit unrealistically yeah. feels like they get their results pretty right. quick but yeah i mean like forensic science is not magic Right, right. Yeah. But also, like, her uncle is, like, the sheriff, so they put pressure on the thing, so it's mm. just, like, a whole thing. Like but Castle. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's a, it's it's very good. I 
I could finish it so quickly if I just had time. I know I could finish it in like like four hours, probably four or five hours. I could mm-hmm. probably finish the rest of that book um, because it is just so fast-paced. There's so much dialogue. There's no exposition. There's like no building the scene. They barely describe like what where they're at or anything. That's awesome. It's just like, I mean... To an extent, yeah. I mean, but for that type, for this type of uh, book, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because like, when you're investigating something, mm-hmm. you're gonna go to multiple places, and you don't want every single one of those places built out in front of you. Yeah, yeah. But it also kind of contradicts like the kind of thematic development of the characters because the whole point of them is like they're supposed to be paying attention to right. every detail. They always say like. Well, they noticed everything. Like, they paid attention to every way that people walked. And it's like, well, you didn't tell us how that went. You know, so right. there's a little little friction there. But at the same time, um, it's, it's, again, very good. Awesome. But, yeah, there's a lot of good plot developments already. Um, I'm excited to finish that one because, in particular, that one is easier, I think. Um, there's not a lot of, like, layers to dig into. Um, and, and just so, just so everybody knows, I think it's like the eighth book in the Katie something, something series, Cook, Barnes, I don't know, something, Katie something series. Bishop. Um, Bishop. That is it. it. I think that is it. Yeah. I think that's it. I don't know where that came from, but I might be wrong. No, I think you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and the concept is that like she was in the military, um, and then she retired from the military. She has a, a dog that she worked with in the military. That they pulled strings to retire the dog with her, so she takes care of the dog. I think the dog's going to come into the story more um, later in this book. I'm not sure. Um, but she's solving a cold case, essentially, where they find uh, remains under a house that was set on fire. So it's like an arson case that turned into a cold case investigation because they found remains. And she's, to be clear, these don't need to be read. They don't need to be order. read in order yeah. by any means. Um, I do feel like there might be like maybe like character development characters overall. that maybe I would recognize otherwise because they do reference a few characters and they're like, well, you know, this case that we worked on. Would together, you be interested in reading the other ones? Probably, yeah. Cool. Because again, I could probably read again if I had time. Right. I could sit down and read one of these books probably in like six, seven hours at the most. And that's fast for me, to be clear. That sounds very slow whenever I say six or seven hours. But like, that's fast for me. (laughs) But it's a good book. I plan on finishing that one pretty quickly. Okay. We need to get to our superlatives. We don't want to... We have four, so it's going to be pretty quick. Uh, What was your favorite book? Uh, I know the answer already. Cinnamon and Gunpowder, for sure. Yeah. Do you know what mine is? Uh, no, because you read like 17 books. <laughs> Mine's yours truly. Oh, my yeah. second book of the month, and it's still that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I loved it. I was hoping it would be like the mermaid it... book or something. <laughs> I really liked the mermaid book. <laughs> it was good. It's good. I know it's not the best, though. Yeah, most disappointing book. Uh, okay, here's what's gonna get weird Flux, right? Because of the rough start, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if it was a four throughout, that'd make a difference. But because it was a little convoluted, it was very confusing. Like, yeah, it yeah. was a lot to take it, in. And again, immediately, 
I want to make it clear. Right. It's probably because I've read it audiobook format. That's most likely what it was. Mine's obvious. It's instant karma. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that <laughs> one for sure. Yeah. Uh, best cover? Uh, oh, I wanted to go Cinnamon and Gunpowder. That's it's my heart cover. thing. But I went Swamp Story. That's a really good cover. If you haven't seen it, it's neon mm-hmm. colors. And there's that. There's a, there's an alligator yeah. and it's like bright neon, like yellow and green yep. and like it's cool. It's so I just want it on my shelf. Like even yeah. if I don't read or it, like a poster. Yeah, that'd I just, be cool. I love. Yeah, I just love the the way it looks. Yeah, uh, mine was Butcher and Blackbird. I thought because so, of the yeah. stark contrast between the black and the hot pink. Yeah, I thought so, that was so cool. It's so jarring yeah. to look at it, but like in a good way mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And also like. Their imagery is all over it too, which I think is really yeah. cool because the black, she he calls her Blackbird and it's like ravens and then he's a butcher like actually because he's a chef, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah. Um, and then your biggest surprise, uh, flux as well. <laughs> I know it sounds contradictory, disappointing no, and surprising. So like, I was very cold on that book. Yeah. Until about the halfway to two thirds mark. And then once the plot lines converged mm-hmm. and everything started coming together, it was making these great thematic statements about like the concept of life and like our political reality and the way that like narratives get developed out into the news media. Like very, very big like I don't know, like intellectual like It sounded like a really smart book. It's it it felt like it was smarter than me is the problem. I see. And then like but then I started picking up on it and I was like, Oh, this is amazing. That like, that seems like the type of book that actually would benefit from a reread. Absolutely. Because yeah. now you know where those plot points are. It would be fantastic. And then you can connect the lines again. There's a small part of me that wanted to try to get the audiobook again and oh. just start it over. But uh, somebody had a hold that on definitely it on needs Libby, to be a but cover like a hard like a paperback version. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, like to note. It's so good. Like there's again, I don't know. We don't have to get into all of it, but there there's a lot of stuff. Like a reread would definitely benefit that book because it just develops, and again, it gets better and better and better. Um, and once it clicks, it, it, it reminds me of a uh, the. Uh, time war mm. it's like once mm-hmm. it clicks once you realize what's going on it all makes sense and then the second read through the intricacies of like build your house around my body yeah and the impact of like time war and the intricacies of time war that's, i might actually compare it to time war that's fair a lot because like it yeah because they they seed things in the yeah. beginning yeah. And you pick up on it about half, two-thirds through, and then go through with it. Yeah. Oh, um, mine was Divine Rivals. Mm. Mainly because I didn't know what it was about going into it. <laughs> yeah, you had no <laughs> idea it was a war story. Not at all. Right. I also did not know that it was historical fantasy. Right. Which is fine. Like, I don't mind historical fantasy. I just don't like historical fiction. I don't want to know about the time period. But in fantasy, they're going to build that world for me, aren't they? <laughs> I don't want to know about the past. I just want to live in the present. Um, and then, so, the last thing that we're going to do is we're going to provide just a random recommendation. We haven't done one of these in a while. What you got? <laughs> no, you go first. Okay. Uh, mine is the band War and Treaty. Oh, yeah, of course. I love this band. 
Um, so they're a married couple? Yeah, it's a duo. It's not necessarily a band. It's like a duo, yeah. It just takes two people to make a band. Uh, like, uh, one <laughs> person could make a band because Rocket Summer was his own band. Anyways. Just go ahead. So I would start with Blank Page mm. if you wanted to start there. So they're they're like a folk, um, like a gospel folk mm-hmm. band duo. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like it leans a little bit more towards the folky side with some gospel elements instead of being gospel heavy. We heard about them because Zach Bryan did a song featuring them, mm-hmm. and then we were like, "Well, let's listen to them." <laughs> What's the name of the song? It's so good. But oh, the the one with them was Zach Bryan. Oh uh, it's, uh, no, because it talks about Hol- Carolinas. Holy Rollers. No, no, that's not the one. That was with the oh, man. Casey Musgraves. Gosh, I think we listened to a lot of Zach so Bryan lately, which is very weird. It's one. Of, it's your favorite one off that album. It really is. Yeah. Oh, it's Hey Driver. Uh, some Hey Driver. Hey Driver. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even have to look it up. They harmonize so well. Yeah, it's well beautiful. Such a good song. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. I think we were driving into Raleigh whenever we first heard that. I think wasn't it? Either Raleigh or Pinehurst. I think it was Raleigh. Yeah. Lisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyways, <laughs> what's yours? Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> gonna recommend Borderlands too. It's good. We've it's it's, it's an so old good. it's an old video game, but boy, still good. We've been playing it. Um, that's the only other thing I've been doing other than reading and <laughs> I'm working. I'm surprised that with the amount that we've played Borderlands, yeah, that either one of us has read anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, I'm surprised we stuck with it. Yeah. This is the most we've stuck with anything other than reading. That's because I'm obsessed with it. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I'll throw out the recommendation. Uh, there's a Borderlands movie coming out as well. Yeah. And uh, the trailer, <laughs> your your tone says everything. There's a trailer that came out for it. Uh, it It's a very over-the-top tone. So if you're not into it, it's fair. It's chaos on a plate. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so... The game is chaotic... And the movie is chaotic. But I have thoughts. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure me and the rest of the Borderland community also probably have the same thoughts. And, and, and I think it'll be either good or awful. And Borderlands is interesting because like as a property, at least in my opinion, some of the major themes of that are like very anti-corporation. Yeah. And very anti-like government also <laughs> so like it's weird borderlands is the, yeah. like, the humor in borderlands is like a lot so the psychos are <laughs> like cannibals like, it's very mad max that's it, the best oh. it's so mad max yes. actually i don't know yes, why yes, i'm yes. trying to tiptoe around it and the movie is rated pg-13 but it's like it's like later mad max so yeah yeah like yeah. it's more like or uh, quite um, fury road but the second one, where it's like a little grosser. Thunderdome? Yeah, maybe. Fury maybe Road might one. be a little bit more. No, maybe it's Fury Road. A little bit but like it's, Road. it's more like hardcore yeah. than Mad Max. But in that same zone. Yeah. 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 So For I sure. don't understand how it can be like a PG-13 movie. Well, I mean, it's because they can 
make more money off of it. Yeah. At the end, it kind of bums that's, me out. That's the point that I was trying to make is that like the total theme and sense of humor of this is like very anti corporation, yeah. anti mainstream stuff. It's like a very like fight the system kind of mm-hmm. tone. And like they're making like a PG thirteen movie with like pretty well known. Basically they slapped an everyone title on it. And yeah. Called it a day. Yeah. They're like, we're gonna get Jack Black and They like, chose you know, like every main character is a heavy hitter in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're trying to so yeah. that that's why I think it could be good or it could be awful because it could be good because these are good actors and actresses. I mean, it's the it's the same issue that the Barbie movie had, right? Like they had these heavy hitters and yeah. it became like a gigantic marketing piece for <laughs> Mattel, which is like a not super great company, but at the same they time talk about that too. Right. It's a little bit Th- different. That's the thing. Yeah. But it's like they're making money off of the fact that yeah. they allow them to be a little bit transgressive, you yeah. know? And I think that's what they're doing. It's another soapbox. I haven't talked about my problems with the movie because I haven't seen the movie. So it's fine. Right. Because it's not out yet. But when it comes out, I'm going to have thoughts. Right, right. (laughs) Oh, also, I saw a thing. should put this in news. Um, uh, Who is the Gearbox director that was working with the games, with the Borderlands games? Uh, Anyway, he, he he made a statement where he said, yeah, this movie is going to be the start of the um, the uh, Borderlands cinematic universe. Oh. So he said that he's like wanting to branch it out, and specifically, he was saying that like he wants like Tiny Tina stuff, and he wants like Scooter stuff, and he wants like he's like wanting to like really branch out into like a bunch of different areas with like film and television and stuff. He's going to ruin it. Yes. Yeah. Because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is ruined. Yeah. I mean, it was, it held together until Endgame. Yeah. It, like, but there's been good stuff since then. Like, yeah, but like, one, I, one you got to just great, treat it yeah. as a separate entity at this point for the yeah. good stuff. Absolutely. But I don't like that. No, I think it's a terrible idea. I don't like idea. that at all. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah. But I'm still going to see them. It doesn't matter. All of them? <laughs> yes. But watch. As soon as I... As soon as I mention anything Borderlands, people are going to be like, you only like them because there's a movie. Anyways, it's another soapbox. All right. We're <laughs> almost two hours into this. Yikes. Yeah. All so, right, we're done. <laughs> okay, bye. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's how we end now. We're going we're gonna to wrap this one up. <laughs> Um, we appreciate all of you for listening. Anybody yes. who listened this long, that's amazing. I yes, I applaud you. I had a lot of soapbox moments. I <laughs> I'm sorry. This is one of our long. No, you're fine. This is one of our longest episodes in a little bit. Um, yeah. We had we read a lot this month, like we both did. of us did, and we had a lot yeah. of opinions this month. Um, yeah. Mine were not as clear as yours, um, obviously. <laughs> uh, at least three of my books are very confusing, but yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we did we did pretty well, and we will be back uh, the first of March for um, our new series, uh, our new theme, I guess I'm I excited. should say. Um, so we start off with the first of the month with like trading books and setting our mm-hmm. TBR and talking about uh, whatever our new theme is going to be and building that out a little bit. So. Uh, we hope you will join us in March. Uh, you can find us on most podcast platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, or YouTube Podcasts, whatever it is uh, Yeah, now. it's going to condense. It's not yet. We say that every episode, but it's, I don't think it's gone there yet. On um, Podbean. Podbean is a way to go directly to like where we host our podcasts. Um, whatever feels comfortable for you. Uh, please rate, subscribe, uh, share, download, share, tell people about it, word of mouth, whatever, <laughs> you know, um, send us some emails, uh, talkbookie at gmail.com. Yeah. I look at it every day. Oh. Yeah. That's good. It's a weird habit that I have. Yeah. Now, so send us some questions, things like that, uh, suggestions. Well, I'm going to say that, but like, I try to look at it every day. Right. Just in case I've missed something. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and then at Instagram, talk bookie at Instagram. Um, I, I'm pretty post heavy on there lately. Mm. And then you can follow us on Goodreads at backslash AT Cole 1400 or backslash Fee Marie. So goodreads.com and then the backslashes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, I've just been posting like my star rating. I haven't been posting anything about it, but... At least you'll see where my progress is, if you'd like. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're going to hopefully become more active with that. And, you know, maybe we'll have some interesting stuff coming up soon. I would I would still love to do our Douglas Adams. We like, still uh, need to. We still need to do that. I'm trying to get through March, because March is when we set our deadline for our Christmas books yeah. to be read. Yeah. Um. So we need to get through March, and then we can kind of branch a little bit and put yeah. a little less pressure on ourselves. For sure. So, um. Join us in March to yep. find out what that deadline looks like. And Which is tomorrow how, if you're listening today. How terrifying well, it'll be for us. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, honestly. Um, and, yeah, again, contact us. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, all oh, that stuff. please don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. You can Tell let, Aaron what we're doing wrong. Can, he he handles criticism better than I do. You can tell me. It's fine. I know we're doing a lot wrong. <laughs> no, no, but thank you for listening. Uh, we will uh, hopefully be giving you recommendations uh, in a couple of days. So. Okay, bye. Bye.